Key Takeaways from Listening to Five Straight Hours of Religious Radio Every month I make the six-hour drive from the south shore of Lake Superior to the southern tip of Lake Michigan. Except for Marquette at its northern outset and Milwaukee at the end, the route runs through rural country. I usually travel with an audio book, but on the last trip, my great course on How Jesus Became God was turgid and dull. I refocused on basic FM radio. South of Marquette, the NPR station began to get scratchy, patchy, and then died. I was left to my own devices. I decided to give God and Jesus another chance and dedicated my car ride to religious FM radio. My knowledge of religion is scant to nil. Church was not part of my childhood. I can recite the Lord's Prayer, but that's about it. I consider myself a blue domer who finds spirituality under an expansive blue sky. This is my venue for pondering wonder and awe. But what the hell, I thought. I'll give religion a big chance. I'd be a willing captive for the next five hours. Bring it on. Here are my lessons. 1. Religious radio is everywhere. Religious radio dominated the hundred empty miles between Marquette and Escanaba, the next town to the southeast. Stations ranged from Bible-thumping sermons to peppier Christian pop music. Evangelical radio waves pulsed through the ether. Even when I turned off the radio, I felt their silent presence seeping into my brain. I felt a disturbing kinship with paranoid schizophrenics. I wondered if a tinfoil hat could protect me from the insinuating effects of the pervasive radio waves. 2. There is only one religion. Don't expect any diversity, at least in rural Michigan and Wisconsin. It's all evangelical Christian palaver. There is no recognition that there could be any other true religion. 3. My car radio helpfully labeled stations as country, pop, soft, R&B, info, religion, the top 40, oldies. However, when instrumentals obscured the lyrics, the crossover between country, soft, and Christian music made it difficult to confirm exactly what I was listening to. In one song, the only lyrics I could discern were, Your love sets my heart on fire. This could go either way, a pay-in to J.C. or to the saucy waitress at the A&W with a sculpted ass. With a little practice, I had it nailed. Here are my tips. If the singer is male and singing about a he and the station is labeled country, well, then that's a Christian song. If the singer is female or either a male or female is singing to a you, well, then you'll have to concentrate on the lyrics. If you catch the words fire, dark, lift me up, flesh, or weak, then you've got a religious channel. The combination of flesh and weak eliminates any doubt. The words Stand By Me signal a religious channel, with the exception of everyone's favorite song, Stand By Me, from the movie of the same name. Don't worry, this distinction is easily made once you hear the chorus sing Darlin' over and over again. 4. I didn't hate the music. The pop tunes were palatable with a steady toe-tapping beat. No screeching, no dissonance, no rap, right in the wheelhouse of an aging baby boomer. The choral music was majestic, with some fine vocalists. The one unwelcome interruption was the horrible rasping noise of a practice alert for the emergency broadcast system, which fortuitously jolted me awake. 5. 
key changes are powerful emotional hooks. Songs on stations labeled religious tended to start with a soloist, soon joined by a soaring chorus. The climax was often heralded by a change in the key that nudged the song up a notch, thus increasing its intensity. I recognize this as a basic strategy for any patriotic song. I've always loved the Canadian anthem, O Canada, sung at hockey games. Now I realize it is the extra ascending C-sharp thrown in at the end that makes all Canadians swell with pride and patriotism. Unfortunately, one of the key-changing choruses I heard reminded me of the song The Stag in the Forest from the movie Cabaret. It starts as a simple pastoral song sung in an outdoor beer garden. The music grows and swells as the patrons sing along. The key changes and the singing becomes more fevered and passionate. The key changes again and everyone stands up. In the final chorus, the soloist is revealed as a Hitler youth who gives a Heil Hitler salute. I have learned to be wary of the subtle power of key changes. 6. There are very few ads and unexpected upside. Stations labeled religious would alternate music with Bible study, but there were no ads. Christian music stations would alternate music with call-in testimonials about the healing power of prayer, or pleas to pray for some poor soul, which included pets. 7. The choice between religious radio and the local rural channels was a draw. There was still no NPR in Escanaba, but now I had the option for local channels. I decided to take a break from soul-saving and tapped into an interview with a woman who breathlessly charted the evolution of salad recipes for the community picnic. In the 1980s, we had lots of pasta salads, and it wasn't just spaghetti anymore. The pasta came in all sorts of different shapes, elbows, corkscrews, trumpets. And then in the 1990s, we had lots of fruit salads and then different kinds of rice. Now we have something called quinoa. I stopped for gas and a snack, but the potato chips were those dreadful paper-thin and greasy kind. No kettle chips. I decided that easy access to NPR and good potato chips were probably inversely related to the abundance of religious radio and were also a good litmus test for red and blue communities. 8. The self-righteousness and intolerance were scarier than I'd imagined. South of Escanaba toward Green Bay, the woods transitioned to farmland. Green Bay is mostly known as the home of the Packers, but other than that it is a grimy paper processing town though the adjacent Door County Peninsula is full of second homes and resorts. Maybe that's why I found an NPR station, but it was consumed with fundraising, so I reverted to the religious channels. One minister railed against a school reading list that included books with LGBT themes. He frothed with religious fervor. I could picture him spewing forth droplets of spittle. He quoted Leviticus, which seems to be the go-to Bible passage for intolerance. He urged listeners to support his quest to boycott the summer reading program. Finally, I was in reach of Milwaukee and Chicago stations. NPR was still fundraising, and the classical music station was playing a whiny string concerto. I turned to another slice of life's experience, sports radio. The male-dominated ads were briefly entertaining. Pajamagrams to surprise the wife. Bizarre treatments for baldness including something supposedly painless called total follicular extraction. No scalpel vasectomy, again supposedly painless. 
and most prominently an easy fix for low testosterone levels with treatment discreetly mailed in unmarked packages. The content featured a segment called wink wink master debaters which discussed whether long and unruly hair on pro athletes was disrespectful to the sport. My experiment was mercifully over. I learned, like chocolate and bacon, a monolithic diet is ultimately unhealthy. I wanted to nurture an open and questioning mind, but religious radio was not the right venue. But damn it, I really do want to address the cavernous gaps in my education and learn how Jesus became God. When I got home, I rummaged under the seat and extracted the audio book from the melange of pine needles, crushed potato chips, a plastic spoon, an Arby's curly fry, and other detritus of long car rides. I placed the book on the passenger seat, ready for the next trip.